it all comes down to the discipline of, of configuring and organizing the space uh, to, to suit your needs. I think I think that's the most important thing about using it using it effectively. Thanks for subscribing to the ZonCon podcast, the podcast all about Amazon conversations. These are the tips and tricks to become an Amazon millionaire. Here is your host, Andrew Erickson. He is all things Amazon, and so is this podcast. Let's have an Amazon conversation. Hey guys, welcome back to the Zoncom podcast. This is your host, as always, Andrew Erickson. I'm here with one of my recurring co-hosts or, or guest hosts here, uh, Mike Ye. Mike Ye has been my business partner for the last six years. Is that right, Mike? Something like that. Yeah, we're going on seven years now, I think. Yeah, you're. Um, my wife and I have been married slash dating for 10 years. You're probably my number two longest relationship. So <laughs> congratulations. <All right. laughs> Um, so Mike, he's been on the podcast several times. The first episode we did, we are actually redoing that episode today because we had lots of changes happen this last year, the last year, the last two years on the episode is episode 46, how to run a million dollar team. Um, and that episode, actually, I think that's my third most listened to episode now. So we are actually going to redo it today to refresh you guys on what has changed and why we changed it and how we're going to move things going forward. Um, Mike also, and, and that, that episode came out a year and a half ago, how to organize a million dollar team. That episode, we proved it. We proved that that was a million dollar team because we did have a seven figure exit. Mike and I sold our business this uh, summer of 2021. And uh, we did a three part series on that. If you want to listen to that, the whole exit exit um, story. That is episode 78 through 81. It's a four-part series, actually. Three parts with Mike, one part with Empire Flippers. So, uh, Mike, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for coming back on. Good to see you. <laughs> Absolutely. Happy to hear, be here. Thanks for having me. Nice. Cool. Yeah. So, I why don't you give us a little intro? I want to hear... I, I, people probably already slightly know you, but um, do you want to add anything? Like, uh, Do you want to he- tell a little bit about your Amazon background? Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think a whole lot has changed in my 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 personal situation. Oh wait, wait, uh, sorry, 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 interrupt. We forgot. I forgot. We have to do our cheers. We always start uh, our interviews uh, on like a beer. <laughs> All right, here's proof. All right, that was a real beer opening <laughs> right there. All right, like, <laughs> there we go. Cold beer in my <laughs> fifty degree basement. <laughs> All right, sorry. Now you may continue. Please tell us about yourself now. Sure. Yeah. As I was saying, I don't think a whole lot has changed in my, you know, in my actual situation since uh, the previous podcast that we did together. But just for, I guess, anyone that, you know, isn't familiar with uh, where I am at in, in my personal life, it's, uh, you know, I got a wife and, and two kids, uh, two and four years old. But I, I, I come from the corporate world, um, have been in corporate for going on 10 years now. Um, and in 2016, uh well, I guess I, Andrew, you and I met in I think 2015, and you know, you started kind of whispering in my ear about this whole Amazon thing, and I, I took a lot of interest in it because I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to make a little money on the side, even though you know I was happy with my corporate job, good pay, and all that. But it's just, it, I don't know, maybe it was something about the challenge of it. Like, does that actually really work? Like, can anyone really just go out and you know figure this stuff out and make a buck on it? And I know we have that 
long running joke where I always said, like, if I made even a dollar off of the Amazon thing, I'd be thrilled. And, uh, and you'd offer to buy me out at one point for a dollar based on that. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I ventured I'll into double my game. offer, by the way, <laughs> Two dollars. that's, that's incredibly generous. Of you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, ventured down that path, um, uh, we started working together on on our first Amazon business together um, in 2016, and, and ran that very very su- successfully. Grew that from the ground up, uh, and then as Andrew said, you know, uh, or as you said, we we sold it last year. Um, and I think it was uh, beginning of 2019 that I that I decided I wanted to you know commit more time to not just uh, the Amazon side of things, but also to my family because I had my first daughter in 2017, and then my second daughter in 2019. Um, and so for me, it really became like a, a question of like, what do I want in life? You know, it's, it's more than just uh, just about, you know, making money and, and spending money. I, I wanted more time with my family. So beginning of 2019, um, decided to go part time with corporate work. Um, luckily, you know, my, my corporate work was very flexible in that sense. And they were supportive of that. And uh, I've been part time since then. Um, it's been uh, very exhilarating to be able to spend a lot more time on the uh Amazon side of things, I, I don't think I would have been able to keep up with, you know, full-time family life, uh, full-time corporate job, and then still trying to do Amazon stuff all at once. That would just be overwhelming. So I think it was a really good change and it, it was, it, it was really a breath, breath of fresh air. And so, yeah, that, that, I guess that brings us to, you know, current day, we, we sold our last business in, in summer of last year. And then we, we started, uh, you know, that our current business now in, uh, was that fall of 2020, I think. So, yeah. So that's that's where things are today, and uh, I'm very very excited that we're still continuing forward with you know the FBA business and and especially in, in an area that I think that we're both far more passionate about um, really aligns with you know much more with our beliefs and and where we want to go in life. So yeah, I, I think that uh, that that takes us to today. Yeah, and, and that's that's a thing that I find interesting. So. So I'm glad you're able to spend more time with your family. That's something that I highly value as well, um, especially having these these flexible work from home, work any hours kind of jobs. So actually, I feel like I'm actually a little bit better at the job when I do the whole like I take off from usually 4 p.m. until 9 p.m. every evening, which I get to spend time with my um, 20 month old daughter. I'm at the awkward point now where I can't call her. I can't use months anymore i'm like she's 21 and a half months that's a weird number so i'm like she's almost two she's almost two-year-old daughter uh, um you kind of work a little bit better because you can kind of like answer all the philippines emails and the china chinese emails late at night and stuff but uh the thing that was nice speaking of passion-led products the first products we were doing i feel were very a lot more opportunity-based <laughs> rather than passion-based absolutely and so things that numbers are really important, especially when you're getting started. If you go into a product that isn't as important, isn't as emotionally connected to you, I think that's okay. Um, especially when you're learning, if you're, you want to find something a little bit easier than like going and like tackling a brand new project that is not as likely to be as profitable. It's just more passion led. So the first, first brand we had was more like the ROI says that the opportunity there is that the, you know, whatever thing, right? Now we're a lot more like focused on the audience and focus on products that we want to do for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's, it's a comparison of, or a contrast of, you know, in, in the former really focusing decisions on numbers gets you that immediate return on things, which feels great. But I think at the same time, you have a slightly lower ceiling than, you know, something that's driven from emotions and really 
building out more of a a brand, you know, as, and I didn't really, I'll be honest, when we had our first business, I didn't really see the value of branding in that. I was just kind of like, let's just do what the numbers say. What's, what's the big deal about branding. And then it's, it's funny because we've done a full 180 with our, with our new business and it's all about branding. Now we've, we've dived into things that don't necessarily have great returns, but we know it's good for the overall health of the brand and all the halo effects that come with it. So definitely a big contrast there from, from previous business to the one that we're doing now. Yeah, that's why I tell people like uh, as many people know I have an engineering background. Mike does as well. Um, Mike is actually a real engineer still today. I I like pretend to be one sometimes. And uh, I thought branding was stupid. Yeah. I thought it was worthless. I thought you just buy something that's functionally. And if you have a if you have a uh, the thing is functionally complete, then it's that's the product, right? I have like Mike said, I have completely one eighty'd on that. Completely flipped around on that. I think branding is very important. I think having an audience in mind is really important identifying what they want what they need what they desire what they love what they hate knowing what they want and then trying to align yourself both like aesthetically emotionally and then of course product line with that audience is that is that is the most important thing and then i will say a close second is making sure that there is enough volume for it that there is enough search volume there's enough sales volume that the product is the right size that the that the that you can do compliance correctly that you can source it you can all those things are very very important but they are a close second but still beat out by branding yeah and along with that branding you get your whole you know new set of challenges that we didn't really we we did okay with branding on the on the first brand but we didn't need a whole team of people to be able to engage the audience and, you know, really promote and help with that uh, outward facing image of the brand. Now that seems to be like what half of our meetings are about is really just the, you know, the products are still important, obviously without, without the products, there's no, nothing really to, to brand. Um, but yeah, I feel like a lot of our discussions these days, a lot of our meetings are, are all around, you know, how does the brand, how does it fit with our community and our audience and, you know, how do we engage more people with it? Yep. That's a great segue into our, how to organize a million dollar brand, how to organize a million dollar team, right? So the current brand, I don't think is technically worth a million dollars right now, but I have high confidence that it will be very soon. We have a goal to exit this brand in about two years. And we, I want to do the, the goal is exit easier, faster, and for more, for a larger exit, right? That's the goal the second time around, right? And so um, we are there. I think we, well, so I guess if you look at our December numbers, which we're cheating a little bit because we had a little bit of the December bump, we're pretty close to the million dollar revenue mark. I don't know, probably right now, depending on how you do the math, like $700,000, annual revenue. But we have a huge pipeline in the in the works. So I have high confidence we'll be over a million dollars um, by the end of that 2022 will be over a million dollars revenue. So, and we've built our team with that in mind. So Mike, why don't you start describing what the team looks like and, and kind of, uh, we'll just describe what the team is and why we decided to, uh, what the team is, and then we'll talk about why we decided to hire that. And then we'll start talking about how to organize them. Okay. Yeah. So I, you're gonna have to help me with this because our team has grown substantially. <laughs> literally grew. It literally grew two hours ago because we just hired somebody. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I gotta keep. I gotta keep all this straight, and I don't want to. I want to make sure I don't leave anyone out. So there's there's you and I. Uh, you know, kind of. I guess leading the reins on this thing. Um, and I'd, I'd say a lot of what we do is, or I guess I'd say more of what. I definitely focus more on the product side of things. Um, you're very much engaged in the product side of things, along with 
a lot of just the overall business operations for sure. Beyond that, what do we have like on the, on the outward facing side of things, uh, which as I mentioned, that's kind let's, of where- Let's stay with the, with the products first. So, sure. so we have um, you and I, and then we have a full-time admin, mm-hmm. our virtual assistant, right? And she's based in the Philippines. She's fantastic. She works full-time and she she's keyed into all of our meetings and stuff like that. So she's very yep. much a I, virtual assistant kind of, I've heard people say that virtual assistant is kind of like demeaning. It's kind of like, you're not treating them like a human. We're very much not like that. She's involved yeah. with a lot of our meetings. She's involved with our kind of annual plans and stuff like that. So yeah. we have a full-time, full-time person in the Philippines and then describe our sourcing team. Well, so I, that's a good point. Before before we jump on in the sourcing team, I want to I want to also contrast like how our our relationship with our virtual assistant from the previous business versus now. Um, we loved our virtual assistant with the previous business. Unfortunately, the the folks that bought that business wanted to acquire her with that business. But you know, she was she was a great virtual assistant for sure. But I feel like we didn't really. She wasn't as uh, in sync and in the loop with us on meetings, on the direction of the business. And we found that, you know, it's, that really was an unfortunate, you know, way to run things. Cause we're finding that with, with our new virtual assistant, with our new business, it really helps having someone that is boots on the ground, doing the day-to-day operations, being in lockstep with what we're doing, like where our decisions are. Um, and, and, you know, so she's part of our weekly meetings um, and part of our decision-making when we make rocks, we ask her for input. We ask for her input on everything basically. And I I think her input is phenomenal because it's a, it's an entirely different perspective than what we're able to see from our side of things. So if, if I, I don't know that that will necessarily work for everyone, but like, I I feel like, you know, one big lesson learned and carrying that forward is that I can't imagine not having your main virtual system that is like basically doing your day-to-day operations, being kind of uh, seeing eye to eye on, you know, a lot of those decisions that are being made and being part of that decision-making process. So, so that aside, uh, yeah, talking about the sourcing team, um, we picked up a sourcing team, which, which was great because you and I used to do all the sourcing directly. And, you know, while that was good, it, you can only do so much sourcing yourself, like with, with especially uh, remotely, like our sourcing team now is, is based out of China, but they've helped us, helped us with sourcing, not only in China, but also in uh, Vietnam as well. Um, and so, you know, we have a main point of contact with that sourcing, but uh, she also has her whole team of people. So we're actually engaged with uh, not only her, but her whole team and the lines of communication as far as like getting things done and just like the breadth of, uh, looking at so many more different opportunities is just incredible. I mean, you know, we, we have new product ideas and we just ask for a quote on them and we get a spreadsheet, a neatly organized spreadsheet of two dozen factories that can produce it at different costs and different lead times. And that used to be us sending messages to, to factories saying, Hey, uh, where my name is whatever, like I would like to request a quote on this and then waiting Two weeks. I, I think a lot of it is just the lack of uh, having connections. I, I think our sourcing team, by nature, they that's what they do. They have connections with all these factories, so uh, when they reach out, they get a response pretty quickly. So phenomenal, uh, phenomenal improvement as far as uh, adding a sourcing team. Yeah, reason why we didn't have a sourcing before is that we we had one manufacturer for everything. Yeah. And he was really good. He was a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little more expensive, but he was so responsive. So responsive. We'd say, hey, can you get a sample? Can you get us a quote? And we get a quote like, you know, three days later. And then, hey, can you get a sample? And we get a sample a week later. And we say, hey, can you fix a sample? And he'd fix it. And like, 
it was really easy. He was a really good person to work with. Um, the problem though is his the pricing was higher, the quality was medium. And so we kind of decided to go away from the one. Well, we I got connected to a to a sourcing agent. And so when we tried working with her, she said, Oh no, you can't do all one factory. Like that just opens you up to like too much liability. And we've already found we found a few factories to start working with. They'll just like ghost us or they'll just kind of say, sorry, we're done working with you. And then you're just screwed. And so right. having backup suppliers and having kind of that Rolodex. Right now we have, I don't know, four factories, five. Yeah. Kind of have oh, like, like I don't want to say four. We five we place orders with. And then like another kind of three on top of that. We've gotten samples but haven't actually done order with. So just having that small role. And also we you, you have the option to have anyone you want, right? But having that Rolodex of like three or four or five, six people is very nice. Yeah. And, you know, I was always hesitant to go down that route with our first business because I was like, man, that means that like we need to then spend that much more time communicating with all these different people. Having our sourcing agent now as a single point of contact eliminates that fear because now all we do is talk to our sourcing agent and they disseminate all that information. They they facilitate all the communications with all the different factories. So it's no different to us. We're still just talking to one person, just like we were talking to the one factory with the with the first business. Yep. Yep. So we have a sourcing agent as uh, so we have our full-time VA. We have a sourcing agent. She has basically there's three people that we work with and then tell us about the kind of the social media audience engagement part of the, of the company. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we brought on a social media person. We actually brought her on uh, when we were still running our first business and then we started our second one and we had her kind of work in both of those. But I think we kind of had this uh, misconception that bringing on the social media person was just going to handle everything outward facing. Um, she does a great job, but she does social media. And we quickly learned there's a lot more to outward facing engagement than just social media. So, um, you know, we, we have her handling our, our Instagram, Facebook, those types of platforms, uh, your traditional, um, you know, social media platforms. And then, uh, Relatively recently, uh, we were like, hey, we, we really want to do a more intimate outreach through, you know, email newsletter type things. And and we found, uh, you know, one of our one of our brands, I guess, I don't know if I, we should call her a fan or like it was just she was very passionate about our brand before we even brought her on. And uh, we actually reached out to, to her and said, hey, what do you think about like, you know, doing some work for us? And and she was thrilled to do that. And we were thrilled that she was thrilled. So it all worked out really nicely. So uh, we have our, I, I guess, I don't know if we have a formal title for her. Um, she writes emails, uh, for, you know, on behalf of our brand and uh, produces uh, deliverable content in the form of like digital offerings and things like that. She's our audience. She's audience engagement, audience engager. That's her title. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So, so here, that's an action item to you guys. Um, if you have any type of following, any type of anything, and you're looking to hire somebody who's, who's going to be a role of audience engagement or, or email writer, or someone who's going to, to kind of interact with the audience, ask the audience, yeah. <laughs> Hey, there's a thousand of you. There's 10,000 of you out there. Um, we are looking to hire a email writer. Um, we have a small budget. Um, we want somebody who's passionate about the space and someone who listens to us. And just drop us a DM and we'll talk. Let's discuss. Uh, I think we actually actually reached out to six people. We found kind of a, I guess they're like micro influencers. I guess we would be considered a micro influencer then too. Right. We're, or maybe we're a brand. I don't know, whatever. We're something like that. 
uh, micro, I was considered micro to be like between 2000 and 20,000 um, followers on Instagram and, and similar kind of engagement on, on um, other platforms. So this is somebody who's taking it seriously, but it hasn't really struck it rich yet. They're like working, they're aspirational, right? They're like doing a good job. You can see their content, you can see what they're doing. And then like those micro influencers, they're great because to them, a couple hundred dollars is like, they love it because they already do it. They do it all day for free already on, on Instagram or whatever, right? And then they get to do it and they get to do the thing that they love doing. And like, we get to do it with them and like, it's great. So what we did, we found micro influencers that were between 2,000 and 20,000 followers on Instagram. We DM'd six of them. Uh, three of them never responded. If you ever talk to influencers, like most of them just ghost you, just, just accept it. It's a numbers game thing, right? So three ghosted us, two responded, one responded and was super excited. And one responded like two weeks later was excited, but it was already too late because the one that was super excited and responded to us quickly, we hired her because she was amazing. And, and on that note, you know, about your tip about reaching out to your audience, I think that that is, that's a golden nugget right there because with people that are already your audience, they are your audience for a reason. And it's because they already align with your vision. Like they're already seeing eye to eye. You can't, you can't go out to a professional, you know, marketing agency and force someone to see eye to eye with you. Whereas you can, it, it, it's just much easier reaching out to someone that already does. And then you kind of skip that whole step of like trying to explain your brand and like trying to get them in sync with you. Like you just get, and to me, that's the hardest part of it is like, you know, getting on the same page about things and making sure that everyone's communicating the same message. So reaching out to your audience, absolutely. Grab someone from your audience that is a, is a big fan of your, your brand and, and your golden. Imagine if you had a if you had a brand for with dog accessories and you hired marketing people who don't have dogs. Right. Yes, yeah. technically they can do it. Technically they could read a thing and copy a thing and just repost the thing or whatever. But like, come on, you want somebody who has a dog. We get so excited about dogs. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. know they're like, oh, you know that weird feeling you get when like you have to you have to take your, your dog out for a walk, but it's so cold and the dog knows it's cold. You know it's cold, but like uh you have to do it anyways, and you guys are both dreading it. Like, like no one knows that unless you have a dog, right? Yeah. Yep. So uh that's audience engagement. Who do we just hire? What's her title gonna be? <laughs> I guess copywriter <laughs> or copywriter, copywriter, or copywriter. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, we. I guess did we? I, I. I don't know. I mean, I feel like we already we wanted to hire her based off of you know a test project that we did with her. It was just kind of this. I guess this morning that we expressed our interest and desire to uh, to you know have her on staff basically, and. Um, again, this is, you know, this is actually someone that reached out to us though. We didn't reach out to her, but she reached out to us because she already knew about us. And she, you know, she basically said like, Hey, I think there's a lot of room for improvement on you guys are going great, but there's a lot of improvement on this and this and this. And like most of the time, like to me, that sends up red flags all over the place. And I'll be honest, like when she reached out to us, I was like, I don't have high hopes about this. Like I, I don't. I'm the type of person that if someone knocks on my door and tries to sell me something, I immediately, I just shut down and I'm like, I'm not interested. Like I know what I need and I'm going to go out and do my own research and figure out who I want. I'll be honest. I went into, went into this engagement with this person with the same expectations. And, but you know, I'm, I like to think I'm open-minded. So I was open to a phone call with her, man. She sold me on that first phone call. I was like, this person is incredible. Like I was hesitant that what she was saying in her introductory email um, about, you know, really 
being interested in our brand. To me, it just, I was worried that it was kind of like a shotgun approach. And she was saying that to everyone. She knew so much about our brand and it was, it came across very clearly that she was being genuine about that. And then we did a test project with her and man, like I love the motion that she has in her writing. And, uh, and so she's going to be, you know, writing our blogs and our copyrights for, for our product listings. But it's so hard to find people that are able to write at that level. And I'm just, I don't know. I'm all smiles. I told her that this morning when we talked to her, I was like, we knew that we needed someone like this. We just, we had no idea how we were going to find someone that had this intimate of knowledge in the specific niche that we're in. And she just kind of fell into our lap. <laughs> I still can't believe it. I'm still like, just, you know, smiling ear to ear. Cause I'm like, we kind of got lucky with this, like with her reaching out to us. So. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's, I think that's, uh, yes, we're lucky, but also it's a little bit of a testament that we're putting ourselves out there. We're, yeah. we have our following, we have our, we have some influencers we work with, we do some giveaways, we have our, we have five, 6,000 people on Instagram, we have, I don't know, on Facebook, thousand, I don't know, I'm kind of confused how Facebook works, like, <laughs> with the actual brand, I'm not exactly sure. Like, is it a meta now? Is it still called Facebook? I don't know. <laughs> this is why we have social media people because I don't even, I'm like, is it still Facebook? I don't know. I, I, Are you like a follower or like you're, you like, like the brand? I don't know. I'm kind of confused. But anyways, um, uh, um, we, we put ourselves out there and it's like, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we care about. Um, this is how we provide for people. And uh, um, let us know if you want to hear from us right we do the same thing with the podcast this is what i do guys i sell shit on the amazon and like i like talking <laughs> to people about it hence the name amazon conversations podcast right um so we put ourselves out there and see what happens so um and then the last part of our team to wrap it all up and then we'll we'll do we'll do a quick re we'll we'll finish the team wrap it up and then talk about how we organize them so the last people we have in our team are our accountant bookkeeper it's a combo deal it's junglebooks.net Net, I believe is the domain. The accountant's name is Chakra. Um, he has been on the podcast twice before. So if you want to type in Chakra or just type in tax, you'll see our accountant. He's great. And we have meetings with him every month, talk about our PL. And then the la last two people we have are our graphics guy, which is fantastic. He's a freelancer. He bills us hourly, but I do consider him part of the team. He's been with us for three or four years, a long time. He's great. Yeah. Um, great, good content, good turnaround time. Um, he's Philippines based, really good at like understanding. Also, he's really good at telling us no too. like, we'll say like, can you make a box for us? And like, no, I don't do packaging. I'm just not good at it. Yeah. Right. And we'll say, like, can you make like a slideshow video? He's like, oh, I can do that. Oh, can you make like this cool graphic? Can you like cut out this thing? Can you Photoshop this thing? He's like, yeah, I can do that. So graphics. And then the last one is PPC. Also Philippines based. Great. Yeah. We don't interact with them a lot because it's more like we look at the data and we can see the data if it's going well or not and it's going well so we don't talk that much with him i think that's it right <laughs> it's funny you're asking yourself that because i'm like man our team has grown so big i don't want to leave someone out here and be like oops like we forgot about such and such but i, I that's all that came to mind for me as well so i, I think that covers it i hope <laughs> on top of that we i guess we have like some influencers that are kind of in our rolodex i don't know yeah i mean oh, i feel like yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, someone that we pulled out of our uh, our audience that just happened to be a professional photographer. And we're like, we saw her photos and we're like, whoa, those are incredible. So, yeah, again, more reaching out to your audience that are already aligned, that know how to you know provide for the brand exactly what the brand needs. I'm just looking at our uh, Slack, <laughs> which is the tool that we use to communicate, which we'll get to here in a second. 
So uh, to wrap it up, we have a, so Mike and I, of course, are the C-level, we're the, I'm the CEO, and Mike is the COO, the Chief Operating Organizer, or uh, Officer, and uh, um, we have a full-time virtual assistant in the Philippines, we have a graphics guy in the Philippines, we have a PPC person in the Philippines, Uh, we have, that's kind of the operational side, the sourcing side, we have an agency, but it's really just three people, it's like kind of a boss and two assistants um, based in China, Um, I do suggest, so Philippines is good for it's okay for sourcing, but if you can, I would highly suggest Chinese based because they're just going to speak the language both literally and metaphorically and also the same time zone and stuff like that. And then we have for our audience, we have a social media, or a social media person, a audience engagement e- email writer, and then a copywriter for blogs and other stuff like that. Anything, anything that has copy in it, listing, listings too. And then we have a Rolodex of factories they work with and some freelancers and some photographers and some influencers and stuff like that. But that kind of, that sums up the team right there. Yeah, it's a big team, isn't it? And and so one of our big uh, rocks for this quarter is, wow, we have this massive team now. And imagine what we can do with that team if we're all communicating properly. And And not that we haven't been, but it could be better, you know, like, Leading up to this quarter, uh, it seemed like everyone just everyone on the team is they're all rock stars, but everyone kind of works in kind of their own silos. And we're quickly realizing that if we if we just kind of open those lines of communications and facilitate cross channel communication between them, like more stuff gets done. Like a lot of times, you know, Andrew and I, you know, we, we find ourselves kind of the conduit between these different. I don't know if I don't know if you call them departments or, or whatever, but like just different functions within the business. And there's no need for that. You know, with technology, we can just group people together and, and channels together on Slack and, and have them talk directly. And it makes a lot more sense because a lot of times they'll speak the same language. We just talked this morning about grouping social media with the copywriter and the email um, engagement audience person all together because they're all kind of all doing outward facing stuff. It makes sense for them to cross promote what each other are doing. Uh, if a new blog gets written, it should it should show up on our social media and in the email that goes out. Um, there's just a lot of synergies that we've left untapped and, and that's definitely one of our big focuses for this quarter. Yep. And you mentioned Slack, um, which I think you guys just heard a little ping on my, <laughs> on my side <laughs> that came through. So we use Slack. I love Slack. I use it religiously. It's the only form of communication that and text messaging is the only <laughs> form of communication that I actually respond to. How do you feel about Slack versus email versus like all the other BS out there, Mike? I, I have a, I have a funny anecdote to share with you here. So I, I both love and I hate Slack. I love it when I'm trying to work um, because it's incredibly responsive. Um, don't have to go digging for emails, stuff like that. I hate it when I'm not working. And this is just me being, being genuine and honest. I hate it when I'm not in work mode and my phone is just like, you know, going off. And I know that you can like set like, you know, do not disturbs and all that stuff. But I, I generally like to try to keep it as open as I can just in case something like a, something important really comes up and it's like, okay, that needs attention immediately. We've had that on, you know, at least more than one occasion where it's like, this needs action now. And in those cases, I don't mind snapping out of non-work mode and getting in, into work mode to deal with whatever it is. So overall though, I love Slack. It's it's a great way to communicate, great way to organize the team, um, great way to have historical records. I, I still dig through conversations from, I don't know how many years ago, digging up things that, you know, decisions that we made, why we made those decisions or old invoices trying to, prove that we had X amount of inventory on X amount of day, all that stuff. My funny anecdote that I want to share on this though, is that my corporate work 
started using Slack last year. And they're like, we're rolling this out. This is a huge transformation for the company. The problem is uh, the company I work for on the corporate side has 120,000 people, 120,000 plus. Uh, (laughs) And so if you can only imagine suddenly rolling that out to that big of a population, most of them never having used it before and just they tried to set it up as best as they could, but ultimately it's a huge influx of people all at once. Many of them never having touched it before. And it just, it was kind of funny just sitting back and watching what was going on with, with all that. Um, and I honestly just kind of ignored it for a while, but yeah, I, I think it's great within, and I don't know, it, I'm not sure how well it scales to something that big. I, I think as long as it's well organized, it, it's, it's great, but it all comes down to the discipline of, of configuring and organizing the space uh, to suit your needs. I think I think that's the most important thing about using it using it effectively. There's all these cool tools you can look at, and of course, if you guys want to find like the top ten tips on how to use Slack, go ahead and I'm sure there's a bunch of YouTube videos about that. My favorite thing is so you can subscribe and unsubscribe to channels, whatever. That's like the best use case. My favorite thing though is you can do slash Jiffy. And then if you type in slash Jiffy and then type in any word, it picks a random GIF for you. I'm like, oh, I love this. I'm like, if I say hello, new team member, I'll be like slash Jiffy, hello. And then it pops up a GIF. I'm like, oh, man, it makes like communication fun instead of like boring email shit. Can you, can you imagine how many actual conversations we've had just with GIFs back and forth without any actual <laughs> like, text in them? I'm embarrassed to like. off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we use Slack for communication. Um, we use Dropbox for file sharing and we actually, here's a little tip, use a family plan. It's actually the cheapest way to, if you have six or fewer accounts connected to it, you can use a family plan. It's $200 a year and you get two terabytes shared among six people that way. So it's very affordable. Um, you get all sorts of permissions and you have that whole thing, the permission level thing. You can you can have 20 folders and give these three to these people and give these six to these people and so on and so on. It's fantastic. Uh, we use Google Sheets and Google Docs for all type of like typing stuff, spreadsheet stuff. We don't use any Windows products, any, any uh, Microsoft products. I don't hate Windows, but I definitely don't love it. <laughs> There's a lot of things I do love. Um, so I use a MacBook and Google, Google Suite. Um, and then Gmail, obviously, for email, although I hate email. And then uh, tell us, Mike, we just switched from Trello. There's kind of, there's, there's like the magic three, menage a trois of the task managers. And these are, these are little, you know, that's a task manager. You have like a little car, like a little to do and you assign it to somebody and they complete it. Right. That's the core essence of a task manager. There's Asana, Trello, ClickUp. Those are kind of the three. There's also Monday.com and there's this whole bunch of other stuff too, but like, we just moved from Trello, which I think is fine, to ClickUp, which I think is a little bit better. But uh, you tell me, Mike, how do you feel about this change? I, I think they have, each have their pros and cons. I mean, it's, it's clear that ClickUp has a lot of features and capabilities that Trello doesn't have. However, as you've heard me harp on it, ClickUp is noticeably slower. And I just I feel that my efficiency is almost you know decreased to a certain degree by using ClickUp. Um, we've both seen instances of you know creating a new task and populating it and it not syncing on the back end correctly or something like that and it just disappears. Like just little weird things like that, little quirky things. If you can get past those things, then it, then it's a phenomenal tool. It has a lot of great features that Trello doesn't have, in particular, like you know, linking dependencies between cards and just different views, ways to view your your task board. 
Trello, I think, works well if you have very uh, a very basic structure and you don't need to link things together and you're really looking for just pure 100% efficiency. It's just like, um, to me, it's, you know, the difference between uh, just a, a calculator and, I guess, a smartphone. Although, I guess, mm. smartphones, maybe you'll experience a little more lag than, than a calculator. Um, but it's, in that sense, that, that's kind of how I look at it. So it's it's hard for me because I'm like, we've talked about potentially moving back to Trello, but at the same time, we've migrated everything over to ClickUp. And I do like a lot of the features it has to offer. It's just the speed that really kind of hurts. Mm-hmm. And we've looked into this um, just to see if maybe we set something up incorrectly. And it's it's definitely not on our end. Um, you know, the forums, a lot of people ask about the speed and, and mention that they experience similar challenges. And I guess that's just part of what comes with um, something that has a, a much bigger feature set. Yeah, that's that's been the oh man. I wish they would just crank up their server speed or something. Like yeah. that's it. Because other than that, it's fantastic. I like to yeah. think of Trello is a really fancy to do list. ClickUp is a really simple project management tool. Fair, right? So, so ClickUp is kind of like there's a lot. You can have dependencies. You can have timelines. You can have all these different things. But it's not super complicated. I wouldn't. I don't think I would organize like thirty plus people with it. But that kind of that like three to ten, I think it works really well. And and then Trello, I feel like we were already kind of even with three people, three full time ish people, we were minus four, four four ish people. We we were kind of kind of like redlining it a little bit. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think the things that we were we were trying to, we were finding little clever ways, little clever workarounds in Trello to make. <laughs> things happen and then we move to click up and we're like oh look it's a feature like it's already built in it's all automated and that was nice but yeah in the same token you get the kind of the lag with it so yeah yeah so i we're gonna give i guess we're gonna give it a soft endorsement <laughs> if you click uh, <laughs> up um asana too i i use asana for another project um that's not related to mike and i and, and it's it's good i don't i don't consider myself a power user of it though so i, I can't really evaluate it as being like whether it's great or not, but it, um, yeah, they're all, they're all, they're all good. It just kind of depends on which feature you want. Okay. So what, what other services do we use? Google sheets or sorry, Google sites, which is inside the Google suite. Of course, Google sites. They just type, if you just Google Google sites, it'll pop up. We use that as our wiki. So we, we write, you know, whenever we have a new task, a new kind of procedure, we'll write a little, uh, kind of a seven step process or a, you know, 10 step process. We'll publish it in our Google Sites. Um, that works out really well. What other tools do we use? Uh, if if you want, if you care to bring in uh, payroll stuff, we uh, we started using Gusto for that, and you know, uh, no complaints there. It's a very intuitive interface, and uh, the the folks over there are easy to work with. So we've uh, been happy with them. Our accountant uses QuickBooks, um, yep. although we don't use QuickBooks. <laughs> he just exports it into a spreadsheet for us, which I like. Mm. Are there any other tools? There's a, I mean, we have a lot of SaaS tools that we kind of subscribe to between like Gorilla ROI and uh, Sellerboard. Like if, if you're, you know, looking to dive into tools that help make the business run a little more efficiently in, in an automated fashion. Let's, uh, let's hit those. And guys, I'll make sure to collect all these. I, I ha- if you go to zoncompodcast.com slash resources, I actually have links to all of these um, services that we're using. Some of them are affiliate links. So if you want to support the channel, uh, I'll get a cup of coffee, basically, if you use the uh, if you use those links. And everything I use in there, those are all things that I use every single day. Um, and I vouch for them. And I have taken things off of that list because the service started to suck or I found something better. So if you guys want to try, 
if you want to see that list, it's zoncompodcast.com slash resources. Um, the tools that we are using, I love Helium 10. That's a great analytics tool. We use Sellerboard. We just started using that. That is uh, basically helps you w- with sort of profit forecasting. Um, it has a nice dashboard that kind of shows you how much profit you're making per product, how much PPC you're spending. Rattle off a few more, Mike. What else do we have? I was just thinking about like, uh, well, I, I, I guess we're kind of uh, stretching outside of the realm of uh, team organization at this point. We're really just talking like business efficiency tools at this point, right? Um, I know that, uh, you know, we use MailChimp. Jess, our social media person, has her own tools that she uses to schedule social media posts. I can't even remember what it's called. She gives yeah, so <laughs> MailChimp is for email. And uh, the social media person uses uh, later.com, L-A-T-E-R as in like not, not okay. soon, but later.com. Um, that schedules posts. Um, she also uses Linktree for a, um, it's cool. You can, if you know Instagram, you've seen this before, but your Instagram profile, they only give you one link, one bio link. And so if you use a list tree, you can click that bio link and it pops up like a list of 10 links. And it's really easy. I think it's like four bucks a month or something. What about, uh, you know, the tools that are used for like, like Splitly and, you know, doing that A-B testing, audience engagement. You you recently created a, a Google form to uh, pull in a bunch of, um, you know, survey data from our audience. I know you mentioned the Google suite already, but it's worth calling that out. Yeah, good point, actually. So so we actually don't use Splitly anymore because Splitly, there is, again, that was actually a service I used to have. I used to recommend. I don't really recommend anymore. It, it um had some negative feedback from people. Um, a lot of people did not like when the stuff would switch a lot. Um, so now we use PicFu for simple listing modifications. We'll take two main images or three main images and we'll do like a little comparison. Um, works great. We also use this other thing called Prolific. Um, it's a much cheaper version of PicFu, but it's it's like one fifth the price, but it's twice as hard to use. <laughs> so if you're so it's if you're doing like a lot of testing, I would consider prolific. And again, there'll be a link uh, link in the description of this podcast and also on um, zoncompodcast.com slash resources. But it has like uh, you can do um, you can get like a thousand people to do your your survey for like 50 bucks. Whereas PicFu is more like 50 people for 50 bucks. So guys, that was it. I hope you enjoyed. That is how we organize our million dollar team. So to sum it all up, if you if you zoned out for the last 40 minutes and you just want to you want to hear the summary of this, we have, Mike and I have been business partners for seven years. We have built it, we've built and sold a team for a million bucks last year. We're gonna do it again next year. That team that we use to build that um, million dollar team that consists of a of Mike and I, we're to the corporate level or not corporate, we call it the C-level, the C-suite. We're the chiefs, the chief peoples, right? And we have a full-time VA in the Philippines. We have a graphics guy in the Philippines. We have a PPC guy in the Philippines. We also have a social media manager. Uh, sorry, we have, a, we have a sourcing agent who helps us find our products and do quality control and get quotes and stuff like that. Um, she's an agency, so she actually has a few people who work for her. We have our audience engagement, which includes a Instagram person, a email person, and a sales copy person. And then we have bookkeeper, bookkeeper and accountant, which is junglebooks.net. And he's been on the podcast several times. That's the team. We organize it mostly through Slack and through Google Sheets and Google Docs and ClickUp. That's kind of the core essence of our business is all incorporated in that. So that's it. Mike, thank you for coming on and telling us all about this million dollar team. 
Absolutely. One thing that we use a lot that I forgot about is Zoom. We have video chats. Oh, yeah. We use that on like a daily basis. So anyway, uh, back to it. Sorry. I, just, I was like, oh, someone's going to point out, hey, what do you guys use for, for talking to each other? Yeah, Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess we, we, we text message all the time, too. Although yeah. we usually keep most of our chat inside of Slack. But yeah. Um, yeah. all right, Mike, I know you've already done this before, but I like asking everybody the, the same three questions. Can sure. you please tell me? What's your why? Why do you, we already sold a business. Why are we doing it again? Tell me, why do you do this? <laughs> this why changes from time to time. My current why though is I've kind of looked back at life from, you know, through a different lens and asked myself like, what do I want from life? And after having kids, my whole perspective on, on everything changed. And what I want most now is just more time with family. I want to see the world. I want my kids to see the world. Like, I just want to spend time with them um, and, and provide them with, you know, an incredible uh, upbringing. And so, you know, to me, it's, it's difficult to do that with a traditional, you know, nine to five job where you're gone and away from them most of the time. So that is, that is my why I, I I've fallen down the path of, uh, of pursuing fire. If anyone's not familiar with that, uh, that acronym um, financial independence and retiring early um, that's, that's, that's my why. Nice. I love it. I love it. Family, family and fire. Just don't. Yeah, absolutely. Don't set your family on fire, but like the good <laughs> fire. <laughs> uh, tell us what is a favorite book or a piece of media you'd like to share with the audience? Sure. Uh, so along, you know, long lines of fire. Um, I've been doing a lot of fire reading. One book that comes up all the time in that community is uh, The Simple Path to Wealth. I think it's called. Yeah. Uh, by J.L. Collins. Um, I finally got around to reading it. And man, that book is just phenomenal. Like it is, it is incredibly actionable. A lot of books kind of talk about this stuff at a high level. This book just flat out says, do this, this, and this. <laughs> like that's it. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a great wealth of information. Um, uh, no pun intended. Uh, and along those same lines, uh, another book that I recently picked up that I'm actually in the middle of reading right now is called The Fire Planner. And it's actually a workbook, which is kind of interesting because my wife's like, why are you, why do you keep writing in your book? And I'm like, eh, it's got, it's got little exercises you need to fill out. So, um, it's by, uh, Michael Kwan. Um, I think it's a fairly new book. I think it came out, uh, last year. Um, and it's a, I, I can't recommend it more. It's, it literally forces you to sit down and like fill out all these, you know, tables and do all these calculations and, it almost takes uh, the actionable portion of the simple, simple path to wealth to a whole nother degree and applying it to your specific situation, your own income, your own expenses, figuring it out, out exactly what numbers you need to hit in order to be considered, you know, in your, in your own mind, what your fire numbers are. Um, so yeah, those, those two books, I'll throw those out there as uh, my, my top two reads at, at the moment. Nice. These, these, these books have changed uh, two years yeah. ago. It was not about fire. I guess, I guess no. uh, the exit money has uh, got you thinking a little bit more about how to plan this stuff. And, and having kids, man, I'm telling you, <laughs> honestly, the having kids part was like the thing that kind of flipped my whole world upside down. So nice. Yeah. Nice. And then uh, tell us, Mike, what is one actionable thing that Amazon sellers can do today? I, I think it's uh, really doing some self-reflection and not to be cliche, but like, I, as you mentioned, these things have changed for me um, in this short course of time. And it took me sitting down and really thinking about like, what do I want from life? I didn't realize that up until then, up until I asked myself that I didn't really know what I wanted. And I didn't really know what I was pursuing. I was just kind of going through life, um, 
with you know minimal direction, if you will. Um, I would recommend that people sit down and you know figure out what's most important to them. Kind of like literally write them down. I mean, that's I think that's the first uh, thing that's in that fire planner book. It's like it makes you list out your priorities, like what do you care most about in life. I'd recommend doing that, and you never know you you might be shocked at what you come up with and what drastic changes you might suddenly decide to make in your life as a result of that. So the sooner you do that, the better, you know, like it's, it's a, it's, it's good to get your, get get that under your belt and start carving down the path that you, that you truly want to live life with intention, right? Absolutely. That is really maybe the, if we're going to distill it into a bumper sticker, right? Like, what is it that you want? Dream big, figure out your, the, the funny word I've heard for this is a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. What's something that's audacious? And audacious means like, it's weird. It's like, oh, it's kind of like extra, right? Like it's big, hairy, audacious goal. What is it you want to do? Figure out how, what it looks like when you get there, figure out the path to get there and start walking down that path. Exactly. Mike said it better. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you're learning the lesson. If you are (laughs) trying to build your million dollar team, listen to this episode. If you know someone who is going to be share who who is going to be also building a million dollar team and you want to inspire them, make sure to share this episode with them because that is how we grow the podcast. We're through through word of mouth. We don't do anything else. We just have a natural audience who loves hearing about us and we want to share the information. And so if you if you have someone like that in your space, please share this episode with them. Guys, thank you so much for being here. And Mike, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Thank you. Guys, we love reading reviews on iTunes. I love this one right here from Dusty D. Dusty D wrote, real world material, exclamation point. Thank you, Dusty D. He says, the podcast is great for anyone who sells on Amazon or is starting out or who wants to be big. Great tips and tricks, as well as things to avoid while selling on Amazon. Coming from a first year seller, I've already learned so much. Three exclamation points. I even put advice given by Andrew and Allison in my recent Craigslist ad to find a great freelancer photographer for my Amazon products. Thanks so much for the great content. Look forward to being on the show one day. All right, Dusty D, yes. Thank you for leaving us a review. Very excited you found some value and found some real actions there on how to hire people. Uh, and also, yes, I would love, let's get you on. Let's get you, get you up to the point. Do you have a good story to share? Bring it to me. Everyone else, please, if you found some value in this podcast, I would love if you could go share those reviews, some of that insight you found from this podcast, go ahead and go to iTunes and leave us a review. If you have your own podcatcher, your own your own way of listening to this content, you can still go to iTunes and leave a review. If the platform you're on also has a review platform, review us there too. So thanks guys, I really appreciate it. Hey.